0: our ministry, national school project that we work with. Um, A lot of you know we're getting married in a month, so hi, Jordan. Um, (laughs) So we're excited to be continuing to work in this ministry together. We both have been on staff for, um, I've been a couple years now, Shannon has been for a full year, and um, God's done a lot of things, and and we're excited to share some updates and just some stories even, and where that's headed now, um, and where our part plays in that, and where all of your part plays in that. So for those of you that don't know, I've shared a few times on this, but the National School Project is a ministry we work with. We work with high school students um, and help them, equipping them with resources and what they need to share their faith on campus. Um, a lot of you might not know this. A lot of you do now. But the high school is a huge mission field, and it's completely legal to share your faith, to bring your Bible to school, to pray at school um, with other people. Um, during the school day, if you're a student. Um, so, Joey, why don't you come up? I'm going to put him on the spot. So, Joey's one of our students we're going to be training. Um, we, we have been already, and Stephen, um, with the resources NSP provides, has been training Joey. Joey, what can you do at your school? What are your legal rights? Okay. So, if I remember correctly, I could tell people about the gospel during uh, lunch before and after school. I believe during passing period, too. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I could hand them Bibles as well. And yeah. 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 Joey can uh do all those things. He can share the gospel with his friends. He could put on rallies. He could he could witness during lunch or whenever he wants. Inviting pastors to speak at school. So Joey's gonna be doing a lot of that this year. Do you have any anything you want to share about that? No? Okay. Alright, you go sit down. Um So Joey is uh Actually, a good example of what's going on. Um, He's going to be, and Stephen's probably brought him up at some point. He's going to be the president of the FCA club at Lincoln High this year, so he gets to do a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm excited to watch that. I'm real excited to to see what God does through through Joey and other Christians at Lincoln High School. Um, So that's that's what we're all about. Uh, So some quick updates. This year has been a really impactful year um, of what we've seen. And so these are just numbers I'm going to share, and numbers aren't completely reflective of what God's doing. Um, Just remember that behind each of these numbers is a real life. It's a real person, a real student um, who's experienced real life change. So just this year, um, we've seen throughout our ministry overall, and this is Bigger than just me and Shannon. There's lots of people working with us. Um, Zoom in here. 210 gospel rallies um, this year. 210 throughout the country. 141 witnessing events. So students um, organizing their friends and their clubs together to go out witnessing to their peers. Um, We've coached 104 schools just this year. Um, to be able to, 104 clubs at different schools, to be able to do this sort of thing that Joey's going to be doing. Um, and we've seen 841 people, students, come to Christ. So God is moving. Is awesome. It's awesome. That's right. And throughout NSP's time in the last 15 years, we've seen even more, obviously. Um, we've seen 2,015 rallies And um, I'm going to skip a couple of them. And then 8,743 people came to Christ over the last 15 years through this ministry. That's a huge number. (laughs) So, 8,700. And just this past year, it was a huge chunk of that. Um, And so, we've been able to see year after year, as we've been involved in this ministry the last few years, just this immense growth. Um, It's been happening quickly. God is growing this ministry very rapidly. And it's really exciting, really exciting to be a part of that. Um, Just a a, a highlight even from a lot of you know, in the Bay Area, that's where I've been um, really working this past year. Um, these past few years, actually, is kind of expanding this ministry, breaking ground, so to say, in the Bay Area and trying to get things up and running. Um, We finally have a full-time staff on the ground this year. Um, So now I'm moving on to another area. Um, I'll share that in a bit. But um, I have been so, so blessed and overwhelmed by, and both of us have just by this, um, what God has done in that area. Um, We have about a dozen schools that we're working with there. Um, We have the support of a huge community. It's a very lost area, as you know, very unchurched. And so many, I feel like so many of the, you know, the real Bible preaching mission-minded churches, have been getting on board with this. Um, and so even just a couple months ago, um, we had a, a fundraising banquet, kind of like the gala we have here. And we had one in the Bay Area. And I was blown away by how God provided. We, we were praying for a big amount, but God actually just blew it out of the water. We were thinking, oh, maybe, maybe it'd be about 100,000. That'd be awesome. God provided through the support of over 200 community members coming to this banquet, churches, different people, different big donors, four hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. I was blown away. What? I think a few hundred, a few hundred, maybe a couple thousand more. Who's counting? I don't know. But gosh, God, God is moving. He is, He just showed us and blessed me and Shannon, knowing. And encouraging us that he is in this movement, he is in this ministry, he's going to provide everything we set out to do. Um, and so Shan's even going to share a little bit more about what we are setting out to do. Um, we're going to be setting out right now to do a new um, campaign, I guess you could say, a new movement we're praying for. Um, so you want to share? Yeah.
1: yeah, so God has just obviously been moving in this ministry and we're so excited to be a part of it. And as a result of seeing all of this momentum building up, um, our executive team kind of gathered together with these consultants and we're like, okay, what can we do to really just take this by the reins and run? Because God's obviously doing so much. Um, And so this coming fall, we're launching a thousand day campaign to reach a million students. So 1,000 days, give 1 million students the opportunity to hear the gospel, and I totally think that God is in that. I mean, just seeing the uh, the return on the San Jose fundraising banquet and the other banquets combined, I mean, we've seen over a million dollars come in as a result of these fundraiser banquets, and I just think it's such a confirmation of, um, of the direction we're going as a ministry and even seeing just the amount of people who have indicated decisions to know the Lord over the past, you know, 10, 15 years is just incredible. And that number is just going up and up and up. And so we're really excited to see that happen. Um, part of that campaign is something called the Meant for More movement. And now Devin already kind of shared how we help students put on these week-long outreach um, events at their school And the idea of the meant for more movement is that we can kind of give students an outreach week in a box almost like we give them their theme already. We give them materials. We can hook them up with T-shirts. And the idea is that in March 2020, all of these schools that we work with across the nation will be putting on a meant for more week at their school. So just picture that. I mean, we were talking about how last year we worked with over 100 schools. We're hoping that number goes way above that this year. But that many schools across the nation doing the same thing of putting on outreach to let their peers know that they are meant for more than the things of this world. I think that's just so incredible. We're really excited to see that come to fruition, and I think it's just going to be amazing. I know I've shared before, but I was actually a Christian club leader when I was in high school. And I was just so under-challenged and had no idea. I, I knew that I needed to be a light on my campus, and I didn't know what that would actually look like practically. And so it's so cool for me to see students like Joey and students like the students that I'm mentoring at La Habra High School in Southern California. I, it's so exciting to me to see them see all the things that they can actually do on their campus. It's amazing. Um, and so part of this, this movement is we want to see new areas open up across the nation. And so something that Devin gets to lead the charge on in this next year, and he's started already, um, is opening up expansion in the Sacramento area and the Phoenix area. So we're really excited to be able to see God move in this area and also in Phoenix, which is cool because, as some of you know, Cameron and Valerie live there as well. So we're excited to spend more time with them. But we're just really excited to see God move in these areas. I don't know if you want to share anything beyond that. Sure. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're praying really big uh, as part of that 1,000-day campaign. We're hoping that our ministry is really launched and running hard and just really being fruitful in 12 major cities. Um, and so Sacramento is on that list and Phoenix is on that list. Um, in the past few years, God's been equipping me and Shannon because she's been helping with just the skill set, I guess, and just the connections to be able to start up a ministry in a new area like this, um, to go connect with pastors and and all that networking and all that, and schools to be able to just really launch this and get this going. Um, And we just believe he is paving that way, even through the the youth pastor network that Stephen's been been running and, and he's been putting together there, the, here in Lincoln, even there's just this huge open doors that we have for this sort of thing to happen, and I believe that God's opening up those doors in more places that we don't know yet. Um, in Sacramento itself, the city, Elk Grove, all the, the whole area, like we're praying hard that God is going to reach the entire area, um, and raise up students, raise up churches who are mission minded, Bible Bible preaching to be able to do this sort of thing. Um, and then same with Phoenix. We just believe God is going to do that. So we're praying hard. Um, that's going to look like, um, a couple different things. Um, we're still going to live down in Southern California. We're getting married in a month. I said, and, and this is a good opportunity for us to, uh, um, really, uh, we're, we're going to stay connected in the church we have down there. Um, but we're going to be still coming up here into Phoenix. Um, every month or so. I don't know the exact plan so far, still working out out what that will look like, but hopefully we'll be here a little more often. Hopefully we can, uh, um, be involved with the schools here and and different, um, um, churches and whatever's going on with what God's doing. Um, yeah, that's, those are updates. That's, that's what we're going through right now. That's what the ministry is looking like. That's what we get to do. And, uh, I'd love for everyone here to be joining in prayer um, for this this movement we're praying for. We're really, really praying for an awakening. Um, like that could happen. And we don't know how long. Um, you know, I was just thinking this as we were um, uh, the Star Spangled Banner and, and thinking about our rights. And that's why I had Joey come up and share his rights as a student. We don't know how long those will exist. We just don't. Um, and so we want to do something. Um, praying for this movement, praying for this awakening to happen now. Um, we can't wait another 10 years to, to to start getting in all the different states and cities. We need to start doing that now. So we're praying, and we're we're ready to go. Um, and we believe God's going to move.
2: Yeah. Yes. There's something that happened last evening in... in mom was there and it was I went out to see Glenn for a little while and we were chatting and then we started praying and and we, as we were praying Glenn said something and then I said something in regards and then we both said something that was I felt like it was prophetic for a moment if that's it was a moment of the Lord showing up and in spite of us he spoke into us and through us. And here's what he said. As Glenn said this, he said, said, as, as I've shared the gospel with many, my hope and prayer, this is kind of, I'm, I'm, is that a thousand souls have been come to the Lord, but my prayer is that 10,000 will come through your work, Eric. And then we both said, a million through Devon. And it was like, wow, okay, the Lord, and that was like, this is what the Lord's doing. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit, we claim a million souls for the kingdom in Jesus' name, that you would mightily use Devin and Shannon, that you mightily use them, that you place them perfectly, and even the places that they face persecution, that you would raise them up, that you would hold them steady, that you would... Nail them in to the calling on their lives. In Jesus' name, bless them, and we speak anointing over them, and we pray your provision for them, and that your spirit would move through them and penetrate the souls of these young people who need you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. Yes. I and, and, um, let me can I I know the kids are waiting to go off to kids church but since that's on the topic right now what a small world we live in I just res- discovered this last week something super interesting that I didn't know and through Devin and and um, you guys you guys most of you might remember way back when when my little brother who was littleer than me younger brother was going out sharing the gospel at the mall on a regular basis and in the midst of sharing the gospel at the mall he he you know basically came up against opposition and this opposition was the mall security and he ended up being arrested because the mall security did not want him sharing the gospel there and in this arrest in this arrest this was it was a great moment i it was one of the most I just loved it, because I got a call from the police department. Hey, (laughs) your brother's in jail. I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) This is awesome. I'm thinking that what happened. But anyway, it was for sharing the gospel. And lo and behold, the attorney who took that case on was one who's nationally known as defending rights of Christians to be able to share the gospel. Well, this attorney, lo and behold, in the midst of this, in the midst of this time frame, gets a hold of, what's his name, Warren... They, they were, I don't know how the connection was, but he's the founder of, then it was CSP, California School Projects, and encouraged him, you need to promote and get these young people educated on how they can actually share the gospel in their schools legally. And that started what is now what they do. So it's, it's such a, like, are you kidding me? What a small world. It's like, wow, what a cool thing. Anyway, so Warren started, and now Devin, they do it, and it's like, it really is a real thing. It's really real. I, so I, I thank you guys for answering the call. Kids, you ready for Kids Church? They're probably already back there, huh? Kids, you ready for Kids Church? Last week, I talked about us being sheep, right? You guys remember that? Who was here last week? I, I be sheep. I be sheep, and you know. And I thought this is an interesting. These are interesting, um, if you will. I, I call it likens to if because um, Jesus likens us to things that we can relate to. Um, sheep in Jesus' day was extremely relatable because that, that was a that was a common profession. Shepherds. Uh, Fisherman was another common profession. And that's why he said, I will make you fisher of men. Because that was, they, people could relate to that. They could understand that. They could, they could grasp what he was talking about. And this other profession that I believe is, was extremely common then and is not as much now is that of a farmer. A farmer. Or, or that of understanding growing crops. And so this, last week we were sheep, this week we're going to be dirt. And, and let, me, let me encourage you though, this is not to demoralize us as, as kind of uh, worthless or of uh, less of value, actually it's, it, I believe it's for us to understand our actual value in the Lord. You guys with me? Because this, I want to. I want to. I'm. I'm discussing our identity from Mother's Day to Father's Day. Our identity in Christ. So this week we're dirt. You guys want to be dirt? A lot of nice little puns about dirt, huh? <laughs> I was thinking of something about being mud. Yeah. <laughs> This is good. We're talking about good dirt, bad dirt, rocky dirt, and thorny dirt. What's that re- remind you of? A parable, right? A parable that Jesus told. I'm going to read the parable from actually out of Luke chapter eight. And in Luke chapter eight, uh, Luke gives us the rendition of the parable. But also, it's also in Mark chapter four and also in Matthew 13. I'm going to start in verse four. So I'm going to read the whole parable out, and we're going to talk about it. Actually, I'll, I'll stop here and there. You guys know me. It says, and when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him, this is Jesus from every city, he spoke by a parable, saying, "A sower went out to sow his seed, and as his seed, at, and as he sowed some." Fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Hmm. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, when he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears, let him hear. And I like how that, this translation of words is that he loudly spoke it out. He cried it out. He who has ears, let him hear. Open up your ears and listen to what I'm saying. That was, not too many places is there an, Emphasis on the emphasis. In other words, he doesn't. There's not a description of how he presented the words that he spoke. Right? So many times we have this idea that Jesus walked around speaking in this low and humble tone. And went, oh, if you just come and follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And come, come the lowly hearted, and I'll, I'll raise you up. And just this timid. It's like no, he was. He was loud, offensive, obnoxious. He got people's attention. Um, And yes, at times he was very quiet, very subtle. He spoke as the Lord, as the Father directed him to speak. He who has ears, let him hear. He cried out. And then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, when you read that out of Luke, you're thinking, oh my gosh, really? Jesus is teaching and it's almost like he wants to make it mysteriously difficult for those to understand and see and hear. That's what it seems like it's saying, doesn't it? It kind of seems like that's what he's saying there. But when you read the other, other's account of it in Mark chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 13, you're going to find that it's a little bit differently spoken. In Matthew 13, he goes into this great length and detail of, of what he's referring to, quoting Isaiah about how they, they're people who are hard of heart, dull in spirit. They have closed their ears like this. That's weird when you do that, huh? You try to talk with your ears, your fingers in your ears, it makes you hear differently. They have closed their ears and they, they have shut their eyes so that they cannot see what God is doing. And so here's what Jesus, we gotta really understand what Jesus is saying here. He's not intentionally making it difficult for those to understand, but he's saying what what, what people have chosen to refuse and reject what what the seeds that are planted in their lives and the grace and the mercy and the goodness that God is pouring out constantly and they choose to reject. Saying that's what I'm referring to. Those who have chosen over and over again to push away God's goodness and kindness and mercy and grace. Because... Do you notice in the parable he's talking about the sower sowing seed, scattering seed to all, scattering his seed to all. And that's, that's what he's about. God is, God is intentionally, lovingly, reaching into every single life. That's why I love the work that, like, the, the, this national ministry that, that Devin and Shannon are a part of, because they, they're strategically planning on how to penetrate and sow seed into every young person's soul. That's important. That's the gospel. That's ministry. That's the light and the salt of the earth that Jesus says that we are. He didn't say you, you should be or you could be or maybe you ought to be. He says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So go and be and do what you are supposed to go and be and do. I say that all the time because I, it seems like that's so true. Let me move on. Where did I leave off? That would help, huh? What does this parable mean? So he said, so basically, and I'm going to encourage you, if you'd like to, you could go and read um, uh, the account in Matthew, because it's, like I said, it's very lengthy. It goes into greater detail in Matthew uh, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, in, the, in regards to the in-between the parable. Do you guys ever notice that when he, you know, he tells the parable of the sower, and then there's this in-between, and then he says, and here's the definition of the sower, that in-between isn't accidental. It's not like, oh, well, let's just insert this. There's an in-between for a reason, in-between the parable and the meaning of the parable. So read it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. You guys, uh, can, I, can I encourage you to do something? This has nothing to do with my notes. And, and it has everything to do with life and with who you are and, and the message. My, my goal and my intention isn't to just feed you all that you need for your Christian soul today. You know that? Hello? My, my, my goal isn't that you get enough for the week. That's kind of silly, isn't it? Do you go to a restaurant and... And, you know, Sunday after church or whenever, maybe Friday evening, and do you get enough food for the entire week on one sitting? You only eat on Sundays? (laughs) That would make you kind of malnourished, wouldn't it? Hello? So here's what my goal and my intent as a pastor is to do, is to... Get you, give you a taste of something so delicious and so alluring and so delightful that I want to go and eat some more. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I hope that that happens, is that you're like, wow, I, I, I like that. I want to get some more of that. I pray that that happens. Because you're not going to get enough just sitting here on a Sunday morning not that Sunday morning isn't important. There's... Anyway, we're working on that too. So now, a couple of things uh, that Mark says when they ask this. What does this mean? Mark actually says something uh, uh, that Jesus says to his disciples. He says, if you don't get this parable, how will you understand other parables? So then he explains it, and I'm really glad that Jesus explained it, (laughs) especially after he told his disciples, if you don't get this one, how are you going to get the other ones? And then he explains it, so I'm like, whew, I'm glad he explained it, because I might not have got it. Hello? Yeah. He says this, the seed is the word of God, so listen to the explanation, this is great. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart. Listen to what he's teaching there. Listen to what he's explaining. Out of their heart. Where did the word get to? Their heart. It made it there. Do you understand that? That's why the in-between is important, because the in-between, Jesus is describing the people that it never makes it to their heart, because their heart is calloused over, locked up from anything that God is doing. Anybody know anybody like that? Oh, I better see better, more hands than that. You better know people that are locked out, that don't want anything to do with God. Either that or get out of your bubble And start knowing people that don't know God and be salt and light in their lives. Because a hard heart can, can be penetrated. Hello? Yeah. So don't just like get in your little bubble. It's like, oh, I want to only be around Christians in my Christian bubble and only only nice people around me. Jesus didn't do that. Why would we do that? Besides that, I, you know, that'd be really debilitated i don't I, I don't know that many nice people i think i had to hang around two people maybe four that was kind of a joke because there's more than four people in this room so those by the wayside are the ones who hear the devil comes and takes it away out of, this might mess up your theology about stuff and, and that's okay let jesus will do that all the time He does it to me all the time. I read Jesus, and I read the words in red, and it messes up what I think about God all the time. Maybe it doesn't mess it up. Maybe I'm messed up, and it straightens it out. Is that right, more more correct? More than likely, yeah, more than likely. I'm the one that's messed up, and he's the one that's straightened up. Kind of like my wife, I'm, yeah, yeah so the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they, should, yeah, lest they should believe and be saved. So that, like I said, that'll mess up your theology because it was in their heart, he took it out of their heart, but yet salvation never took place there. Wow. I really don't want to focus on that because that gets super deep and it's, uh, it's complicated other than... I've witnessed it, I've seen it, I've been a part of it. Not me personally, but I've witnessed the actual penetration of God's word into somebody's heart to where it it made it into their heart and salvation didn't take place. And the only reason I can say that, because I've seen it, and then this scripture backs it up. When I gave my life to Jesus at the the football camp and the Holy Spirit moved and penetrated every heart there of these young people, there was 12 of us from Lincoln High School, and to this day, only one or two of them that I know of have have walked with and committed their lives to Jesus as saved Christians. Is there such thing as unsaved Christian? I don't think so. So I know it, I've seen it, and I've witnessed it. And it breaks my heart and saddens my heart that God's word will get in and yet salvation doesn't take place because the devil immediately snatches it from them. I know that, like, like I said, it'll mess you up thinking about it, but these are the words of Jesus. <clears throat> it says, but the ones... So I'm going to move on because it's not the focus of this message. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. They fall away, because root, rooting does not take place. Remember in the, when, in the original parable, because it says there was no moisture, there was no watering, there was nothing that, took place to nourish that seed, for that seed to take root and root and go deep into the soil. In other words, it was just the surface soil it took, and there was joy there, but because there was no watering, there was nothing that, that was happening in that person's life that was nourishing the, that seed, it immediately withered, because trouble's going to come. Challenges will come as a Christian. You know, you're talking, Valerie, about the young man, and of course, being, a, being Mormon, but the challenges are there. And, and there, I distinctly remember facing the challenge as a young person when I gave my life to Jesus and, and all of the, my peers wanted to, all we wanted to do the year bef- before I gave my life to Jesus was get into my senior year and just rule the school and party hard. That's all we were looking forward to do. That's all that we wanted to do. We couldn't wait. You know, I I had no intention to really go on to college or do anything with my life, really, except play baseball, I thought. And that was all I wanted to do. And then, and, and party. And as soon as I got saved, radically saved, transformally saved, it messed things up. It messed things up to where they now were looking at me. They actually look at me with scorn. They they despised me. They didn't like me. They hated me. They tormented me. They persecuted me because I didn't want to party with them anymore. And the challenge was there, and it was great, and it was very real. It was very real. And I remember laying just like thinking, oh, my gosh, I... I want you, Jesus, more than anything. But my friends, you know, they're laughing at me. They're making fun of me. They're calling me names now. And it happened because I was a Jesus follower, a Bible thumper. That was a bad thing to be called back in the 80s a born again Bible thumper, a a holy roller. Oh, and then and then, to, you know, and then they wouldn't just stop there. Then they would call you, you know, a cult leader. And all the things that were bad, that they would just try to throw anything at you to just try to knock you off your walk. That's going to happen. But if you have the rooting down, and the word of God and your nourishment takes place, and the rooting goes down, that can happen. It will happen, but you stand. You stand firm because the rooting has taken place. The rooting—does that make sense? So let's go on. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those, those um, that have heard, and they go, they go out and they are choked by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life, and then they bring their, and bring no fruit to maturity you guys uh you guys know I've, I've I've discussed a few times about how I really have loved taking on not taking on I just found a passion to to grow plants and things and vegetables and trees and flowers uh, all of the above one of the most discouraging things though is when you like really put in the time and the effort into a plant that is supposed to make tomatoes and it gives me like these shriveled up little things that are like, what, am I, what the heck is going on here? Something is going on in the root system that I can't see that is causing my tomato plant not to give me good tomatoes and lots of tomatoes. And I've talked to other tomato growers and they say, oh, it's the season, it's this year. This year is there something going on in all the tomatoes. I'm like... I don't know if that's really true or not, but I, like, how, how could that really be a thing that all tomato plants just don't make good tomatoes in one year? Anybody heard that? Yeah, and it, I don't get it. I was like, I don't get it. I think there's something happening in the system of that root system that's got, caused poison or a choking of the ability for that plant to make fruit and mature fruit, Right now, my t- tomatoes are, like, getting nice. I already, I, I'm, I'm an early starter. And, I you know, I talked to, to Kathy about this. Like, well, you're just going to have er- tomatoes before everybody else. I'm like, well, I know. And my mom's the same way. She sl- starts late, too, because that's just what she likes to do. And I, I like to start early. I get anxious. I want to grow tomatoes. You guys, I know, I'm weird. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the subject. Robin would be looking at me like, move on. But it's a choking out that takes place because something happens in this rooting system that causes a, that's either poisonous or actually uh, um, grows up with it, that when you think about thorns choking, thorns choking, you think about that, I think, how do we, I envision that, a thorn growing up in and around the the plant, and I'll just go to a plant that I like, and that's tomatoes, and and something that grows up, that kind of grows up, in it and with it, but yet kind of weeds its way around it to where it causes it to actually not produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce, because it's stealing life from the fruit-producing ability that it's supposed to have. You guys with me on that? So that's what Jesus is describing that happens when we allow the cares of this world the pleasures of this life to come in and up and around us to where it steals what God actually wants to be and do through us. Our identity is producing fruit. That's what we're supposed to do, produce fruit. So let's, let's move on. The last verse of this, of this parable is where I want to focus and camp out for the next few minutes. It's uh, verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 15, and he says this, But as for that seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and noble heart and hold on to it tightly and bear fruit with patience. The wording in there in some of the transits says good, noble, and honest heart. And the word pa- bear fruit with patience is bear fruit with perseverance. Hello? Is everybody Okay. Okay, so let's talk about this. Hey, let's do this. Let's dig up, dig up what a noble and good heart looks like, dissect it, open it up, find out what's in it so that we can have one. You guys, right? You guys ever take biology, right? Oh, look at Patty. She's such a sweetheart. What a good mom. (laughs) Aunt, aunt mom. Oh yeah! Ow! Stop pinching me! Remember, remember that was always the that was always the risk in pinching your kid is how loud they would yell and say, "Stop pinching me!" Yeah, yeah. In in biology, what we would do we would dissect animals and creatures and organs so that we could discover what was inside and how they operated and how they worked, right? So that's what we're going to do this, the, the rest of this morning, is talk about the characteristics, and I got some of these from uh, Robert Morris, the characteristics of what a good heart looks like. I want to find out, because guess what? I want one. I want one. And, and, and here's my, my dilemma, is I... I can't look at mine to find out where, if it's good or not. It's a dilemma. So I look through the Word, I look at others, and yes, there's moments that God will, he will convict me and show me that that's a good heart move, and that there move that you just made, that was a, that was a wicked heart move. Repent of it. Oh, okay. Anybody else hear those things from the Lord? I do, on a regular basis, so yeah. (laughs) So here's the characteristics of a good heart. Listen, there's three, there's four as a bonus for today. First one is this, is a humble and a soft heart. Do you realize this, this one truth, listen to this, that your good deeds don't give you a good heart? Did you know that? Your good deeds don't give you a good heart. But instead it's from a good heart that we do good and the goodness actually sticks. It's almost, if you will, and I need to, I'm going to just highlight this for a second because I need us to really understand that and receive that as true. If you do good deeds from a, from a, a proud heart, what's that going to produce? Just think about it. What do good deeds from a proud heart produce? More pride. More pride. And even, and it, I believe it does this, it even does this. Even, it even opens up a hole in the dirt of your heart, since we're talking about us being dirt and us having, it, it opens up a hole in the dirt of your heart for a bitter root to be set right inside of it. How does that happen? Because you'll do a good deed from a proud heart and need to be noticed and recognized, and you will never be noticed and recognized how you think you should be noticed and recognized. And all it's going to do is produce bitterness inside of you especially about all of us Christians. Especially. I don't know how many people are not here today for doing a good deed from a proud heart, and I, shamefully, did not recognize that good deed enough. And they're gone. Wow. That just got kind of gritty for a minute. I, I... it's happened, and I don't know how many people, and I could share this in a, in a, I think just a very transparent way. Have from a place of a proud heart, have given me a check for a thousand dollars to say, here is something that we've never done before, but we want this to go to a good cause, and we just, we just, and and, and they they gather me together with. And they wanted a nice little parade, almost, of this beautiful check for a $1,000 that they wanted to go do a good... And, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been duped into taking pictures from different people. Like, here's the check. Oh, here, smile. Oh, like, what? Who are you? Like, and you may say, well, gosh, Eric, that's like, uh, why are you being ungrateful for people wanting to just... Like, that's not it. That's not it because... Because I'm going to tell you this, and I tell you this with tears and with a lot of passion inside of me. I don't care about anybody's money. I care about everybody, your soul. And if that gift is going to just produce a bitterness in your heart, because I don't, I didn't, and, and I will miss it. I will miss the opportunity to, to praise you and lift you up on the high pedestal that you are wanting to be lifted up on. I'll miss it, because it won't be high enough. It won't be loud enough. It won't be Facebooky enough. And I'll miss it. And you will get bitter. I, I I've seen it way too many times. So the good deed does not give you a good heart. It's the good heart, the humble, soft heart that produces the good deed that actually causes the soil of your heart to be softer and for the root of the seed of God's word to go deeper and penetrate and grow up and produce fruit as opposed to a bitter root that goes down and causes you to find, or find fault in me and all Christians alike. Hello? Maybe some of you know some. I hope none of you are any. At this point, probably in the game, you've been offended enough to leave already, so that's okay too. There are scriptures to back this up. Where did I leave off? Oh yeah, Uh, there's a there's a verse, and I love this verse. Psalm ten, verse seventeen says, "Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, and you will prepare their hearts, and you will cause your ear to hear." Isn't that amazing? You will incline your ear to hear. God's basically describing what happens to a, a humble and soft heart. It says that not only will that humble and soft heart be pliable for you to make as you want it to make, but you will also, it says, God will actually incline your ear to hear the cries and the wishes and the desires of the humble and soft heart. That's awesome. It's like you're saying, all you got to do is humble your heart, humble my heart, Now God gets on my side and then starts giving me the desires of my heart because he's now, he's shaping the desires of my heart. And in the shaping of the desires of my heart, in turn, then those desires are being reached up to him. And he's saying, that's what I wanted to hear. Now let me do it through you. That's what an awesome experience. It's like, all I got to do is humble my heart. And then he does all the rest. Oh, that's what he says. That's all. That's all I got to do. Let me move on to the next, the, the second uh, characteristic of, of a good and noble heart. And this is a good one. It's a holy heart, one that fears the Lord. <laughs> and here's the, the, the Eric definition of it, That, if you will. It's worth writing down, too. A heart that does the right thing when nobody's watching. A heart that does the right thing listens and heeds the Holy Spirit's voice. Your conscience. That inner voice when nobody's watching. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit and the conscience, your conscience are the same thing, but the Holy Spirit will use your conscience to speak to you. A heart that does the right thing when nobody's watching. I truly believe that the Lord allows us to be in situations to test our heart's nobility. It happened to me last night, yesterday. Can I share a transparent moment with you guys? A moment of... of uh, I almost faltered, but I, so, so track with me for a minute. I ran to, to Lowe's. Um, I was going to say one of these other stores. I, I, I went into Lowe's because they're having a big sale on dirt. Awesome, I know. It's like it's like yes. Whenever it's on sale, dirt and bar, I go to buy it, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. I need some dirt for some of my plants, and so this is like it's great. It's a Miracle Grow, yeah, Miracle Grow. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. And, and and so I, I go inside. I needed a couple other things, so I I say, hey, I need these five bags. It's five bags for ten bucks. I don't care how how tiny they are. Five bags for ten bucks. I'm getting that. That's two bucks a bag. So I'm like, yes. I get my dirt, or actually, I go, I pay, and they say, oh yeah, it's out there uh, in the parking lot. You just gotta grab it. I'm like, oh, or there's some there's somebody there. I'll help you. I'm like, okay, great. So I go out there, and I, there's nobody there. And there's well, okay, there's signs on the dirt and there's bags of dirt so I just start grabbing bags of dirt I load five bags on the cart and I push it all the way to my truck and I start putting them on my truck and I put these five bags on my truck and then I look at it and the Lord says this thing in my spirit and he says those aren't the right bags like "What, what what do you mean I like well, I, I I had this conversation. Like well, no, the, the it and those were the those were the two bags for ten bucks, and you grabbed the wrong bags, Eric, and, and I and I I didn't know it, and I'm grabbing. And I tried, and I already had them on my truck, and I'm like, well, <laughs> was it my fault? <laughs> I there was no attendant there. I mean, I, they're already on my truck. He's way over there. And and he said, how honest is your heart now? But nobody saw. Nobody even noticed. Nobody even asked me anything. I just grabbed, I could have grabbed 10 bags, Lord, so I only took five. I could, have, I could have even not paid for any of them and grabbed 15. So I'm kind of being sort of honest here, by I didn't take a bunch more. <laughs> how, how honest is your heart now? Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, come on. And nobody's, I mean, it's, do you see how many pallets they have? What's it going to cost them a couple extra bags. I mean, they had truckloads in the parking lot for this sale, Memorial Day sale. (sighs) So I loaded them back on the cart, (laughs) took them all the way back over there, got the tiny little five for $10 bags. And I thought, all right, that's what I needed to do. That was the honest heart thing to do. But then the Lord even caught me doing something. He caught me doing this. Because as I then was pulling away with the right bags, the attendant comes out. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to let him know how honest I was. I wanted to pat myself on the back to this guy and say, do you know what? I took the wrong bags and, and I chose to put them back because I am a Christian. And the Lord said, you better not. You better just do the right thing and drive on out of here like you did the right thing anyway. And I believe that that's what he's describing as a holy heart, one that fears the Lord, one that does the right thing when nobody's watching, and one that doesn't need to be noticed by, for doing the right thing even when nobody's watching. You guys tracking with me on that? Because that, that to me, is, that's a, a good and noble heart. And, and yeah, I wrestled with my heart in that. Anybody else, I mean, most, most of all of you honest people would have been like, oh man, I'm doing the right, you would not have never even questioned it, right? My wife would have been like 100% without a doubt not even questioning she would have made sure that that was i mean she's made me run back inside the stores to pay for stuff that she accidentally took out of the store on accident like what the heck is wrong with you you already and that to me is a what is i refer to as a holy heart i believe it's a holy heart one that fears the lord that is i think the easiest to understand definition of what it means to fear the lord it's where you do the right thing when nobody's watching. Because it's God and you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, in other words, it's between God and you. Conduct yourselves throughout this time of your life here in holy fear. Right? Amen. And this, la- this uh, uh, last one, and there's a bonus one I got to tell you, it's, it's good, is a heavenly heart, a heart that sees past or through the, these world's temporal existence and puts a higher value on on all things, and puts it into eternal perspective. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Do you realize that your heart has a mind? Your heart has the ability to speak. He talks about us out of the overflow of our heart Our mouth speaks. So set your mind, the heart of your your mind heart on things above, not on things of this earth. The fourth one and this is a bonus. It's a Memorial Day bonus, I think so. Of a good and noble heart. It's a sacrificial heart. One that is willing to lay down its life for others to be free. That's a sacrificial good and noble heart. And John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friends. Nothing will mess me up more, and I think it's because of the softness of my heart when I see a sacrificial, a sacrifice made for others, whether they know it or not. But when I see that displayed, whether it's in t- on TV or in the movies, I see that as like that 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 wrecks me so quickly because I long for that I, and, and I, I I feel like that's like that's what we're called to be and to do as followers of Jesus is to lay down our lives, and that's what a sacrificial life looks like. A good and noble heart is one that lays down its life. I'm going to finish up with, with this, with the whole concept of this wrapped up into the purpose. It's the seed of God's word that penetrates, that reaches into our lives, that actually does the work. There's a verse in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11, that has kind of, it's been one of the, I think, one of the most misconstrued verses of the Bible, misused verses of the Bible. And it says this, it says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, that it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what it, it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I had a friend who was took that verse, took that verse, and said, "See, that's what we're called to do: is just speak scriptures into people's lives, speak the word of God into people's lives." So much so that because it says it will not return void and he never missed an opportunity to to spout the Bible at people. Speak it at people. You guys following with me? And as he spoke it at people, he said, well, it's because God's word won't return void. And all it did, all it did was offend and aggressively cause people to say, I don't want anything to do with what you're, you're presenting. And they pushed the gospel away, they push those opportunities, and I feel like there are so many missed opportunities of missed hearts to be penetrated with the word of God, because he missed what that is really saying in there, because when you read the context of what Isaiah 55 is talking about, it's that place, if you not, don't remember, it's one of the, my favorite verses of the Bible, or places, Passage Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, Therefore, therefore, just as my word rains down, just as the rain comes down, the snow falls down, my word will come down and not return to me empty, but it'll water the earth that it's intended to water. See, his word is intended to, to infiltrate my heart first and do the transforming work in my heart first. And that transforming work is then, therefore meant to Meant to have an impact on those in my life. Hello? Not for me to use and spout at you, you know, Bible verses. That's not what it's intended to do. You guys with me? I'm all for memorizing the Bible and quoting it where we need to be quoting it with wisdom, with love, with the Holy Spirit's prompting, but not just so I can throw it at people. And the only way that that actually comes to place is when I allow it. I give, I give God the Holy Spirit the permission in my heart, which I think this is is part of the humble, holy, humble, holy and heavenly and even sacrificial work of the seed of God's word is giving it permission to get a hold of me and do the work in me. And when I do that, when I let that happen, it does something inside of me it causes the roots of my very soul to reach into the depths of the kingdom and penetrate and and pop up a tree of life that brings fruit. For all people. Remember in Mark, he, when Jesus is telling this parable, Mark, uh, uh, Jesus in Mark says it produces a crop a hundredfold. Isn't that interesting? In others it says 30, 60, 100. But I like Mark's because I believe that that's what Jesus, what Jesus was referring to was this very one thing. He was going back to when Isaac... Isaac, as Abraham's son, was in the land that he was dwelling in. And in this land that he was dwelling in, there was famine taking place. He was in a foreign land amidst trials, amidst famine. You guys with me? And it says that Isaac planted a seed and it produced a crop 100-fold. So much so, what's a hundred-fold crop look like? It's big. Not only is it big, because it's one hundred-fold. It just doesn't mean, you know, one and then a hundred. A hundred-fold is one hundred times. So it's, it's that's why when we talk about it even this morning and talking about what, what Devin and Shannon are doing, and what God is preparing for all of us to do is... Allow the seed of God's word to penetrate your heart and do the work in it. And so much so that as you grow up and you produce the fruit, that people are going to pick the fruit off of your tree and eat it and have life. And as that person eats that life from your tree, they're going to go and they're going to take the seed of that life that, you, that came from your tree and it's going to make more trees. And those trees are going to make more trees and the fruit is going to be A hundredfold. I love that. I love that. that awesome? That's what God is doing. And I love, and thank you, Devin, for saying there's an urgency right now. There is an urgency to go. (laughs) To go. Yes, and we've got to go. Oh, brothers and sisters, God loves you. God wants to use you. God sees so much value in you to be used by him. Please don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunities that God has given you. Just, I I love, you know what, the, the understanding of this parable, and I think that's why Jesus taught it and he said it this way. He said, if you don't understand this one, you won't get any of them. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom's work is this. You just soften your heart and let me do it through you. (laughs) Wow, that's good news. (sighs) What a burden that gets lifted off me to try to have to do stuff that I'm not supposed to do. All I have to do is be who God's called me to be. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your your grace, your mercy, your goodness. And yes, we're thankful that that we are recipients of it and that you have softened our hearts to receive the gospel. But Lord, right now, right now, right now, by your spirit, in the name of Jesus We ask, we beg, we plead, we cry out. Soften the hearts of those whose hearts are hardened. Soften the hearts of those who need the Word of God to penetrate so that they can be saved, so that they can hear, they can understand, they can receive, and then in turn produce a crop a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, use us as you see fit. Use us right where You have perfectly placed us in this time and in this place. In Jesus' name, by Your Spirit, Amen. Amen.